Good morning, Connection Point Church. How are you doing? All right. That was a good response. Now, it's spring break, so this week I've got my kids, no school this week, but every, every day, yeah, for some of us, that's good. For some of us, it's like, oh, man. Now, every single day when I drop my kids off at the bus stop, though, I always let them know we got three rules in our family. There are only three rules, and I say this kind of as, hey, this is, this is so easy to be in our family. The three rules are this. The first one is TCB, take care of business, okay? That's our first rule. Take care of business. If you get schoolwork, get it done. We're not going to get zeros. We're not going to take care of business. If somebody asks you to do something, take care of business. Second rule, be kind. Be kind to your sister, to your mother, to your classmates, to your teacher. Be kind. And the third one is have fun. If we do those three things, if we take care of our business, if we're kind to one another, and we had fun, we had a great day. And we fulfilled all, all those rules, I think, will make a good Good day, but something interesting happened this week, in fact. My oldest son got his driver's license and started driving, and all of a sudden I've realized three rules is not going to cut it in our house anymore, okay? And in fact, I went and I bought an app, and now I can see his speed when he's driving. I can see where he's going. I can see the history of where he's been. Life's a lot different for kids nowadays than it was. All this technology is coming around on some of it. I can see if he hard brakes. I can see if he accelerates too fast. I can see a lot of information. So the rules in our family for at least the 16 and above now have, gotten, have changed a little bit. And what I've noticed is any time that I explain to my kids, hey, we're, we're going to add a rule here, they never really rejoice in the rules. They never really get excited. In fact, I don't know one person who's ever um, had a, an interaction with a law and said, you know what, I'm so glad, officer, you pulled me over because you're right. I didn't fully stop at that stop sign. I just kind of rolled through because no one has hit this stop sign in the last 20 minutes or probably is ever going to hit the stop sign again. But I'm thankful, officer, that you stopped me for just rolling through it a little too fast. How many of y'all have ever had that interaction go through? No, we never have that mindset. We've never had the mindset, and you know what, officer? I was going three miles per hour over. You were justified in pulling me. How many of us have the mindset that if it's four miles or under, you're okay. It shouldn't be pulled over for that. Why is that? If five miles, it's sketchy, uh, but, but four miles, everybody, that's kind of a universal law, right? Here's what I want you to see, though. It's when I look at the Bible and, and the way that we as Christ followers living in 2019 look at the laws of God, we seem to interact with them different than a lot of, of people used to interact. This is what Psalm chapter 1 says. It says, Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. How many of you have just woken up and said, you know what I want to do today? I just want to think about all the rules that God has given to me. All the rules that God has put on my life. That's what I want to do today. In fact, there seems to be a disconnect because over and over again, there seems to be something about the, the Old Testament law that draws the, the, the writers of the Old Testament scriptures, to God. But yet almost every person I know that goes to church has, a, uh, has this mindset that we need to get as far away from the laws as possible. 
and that the laws of God, somehow we shouldn't apply them. Not that they don't apply, that we shouldn't apply them. That somehow they've lost their goodness. And so I've been burdened about this, and that's what I want to speak about for this entire series. And today is just going to be an introduction to what I consider one long sermon, okay? And, and, and over the next four or five weeks, we're going to look at the laws of God. We're going to look at some of the books you've been avoiding. And I think we're going to have a new understanding of the law. Now, what I want you to do right now is take out your phones. Everybody find your phones. And I want you to go to connectionpoint.life, okay? Connectionpoint. Dot life. And on connectionpoint.life, you'll see you can swipe left and right, and you can swipe and find a picture of me preaching, just like this, and uh, click on sermons, and then you'll find a tab for sermon notes. And on sermon notes, not only will you have my notes, um, but you'll, have, you'll see that there's a place there that you can actually submit any laws or passages from the Old Testament that you might find confusing, or maybe you want to know more about, hey, I've always, this has always kind of bugged me, this law or this statement in the Bible. And in this series, I'm going to try to not just uh, um, on Sunday mornings, but I'm, I'm going to try to address every single question that we have about the individual laws, the weird laws, the, the crazy laws, the mean laws, whatever uh, you think about the Old Testament, we want to investigate, and I'm, and I'm going to use social media, um, Facebook Live probably, to interact. And if you don't have Facebook Live, then I'll just send you an email too or something. We'll figure that out. But here's what I want you to see, is that the entire Bible, the entire law of God is useful to us and reveals the heart of God. And in fact, the statement that I want to begin with is a simple statement. If I want the heart of God... I should obey the law of God. And some of us are like, whoa, I already don't like where this is going. Now, I want to be clear here. I didn't say, if I want to go to heaven, I should obey the law of God. If I want God to love me, I should obey the law of God. That's not what I said. I said, if I want the heart of God, that is, if I want to wake up and I want to say, God, I want my heart to be like your heart, then I can obey the law of God. And the law of God reveals the heart of God. And you say, I've got some crazy laws that I'm thinking about. Maybe you've heard somebody talk about a law, and we're going to hit a lot of crazy laws, okay, or a lot of weird things. How many of you have ever thought, you know what, the God in the Old Testament is a little different than the God in the New Testament. Have you ever had that thought? If you've ever had that thought, we're going to look at that. And the way we're going to look at that is we're going to look at probably the harshest command in the entire Old Testament. We're going to look at God's command to wipe out an entire, um, an entire uh, race of people. Okay, We're going to look at that and we're going to see what the point, how, how is God's heart there? There are some weird laws. Do you know there's a law that said if two men are fighting, the wife cannot run up and grab the junk of the man that's fighting her husband? That's against the law. Now, why would God put that in the Bible? Now, the men are like, I clearly know why he put that in the Bible. That should be rule number one, right? Now, it's a weird law, though. Do you know the Bible says don't cross-stitch, don't have two different types of fabric? Why would God put that in? I mean, it seems like the Bible has only got so much, you know, there's only so many pages in the Bible. Why would God waste writing, waste letters, waste words with some of these random laws? Laws that don't apply to us. That's where our heart is. And what I want us to see 
is that as we understand it, and, and the more we understand it, if I want the heart of God, if I want to know how can I change my heart and have my heart changed, I can follow the law of God. So I'm going to start off um, with three things that the law will teach you, okay? Three things that the law will teach you. I'm just going to put them all up here, but uh, I'm going to go with one by one. The first thing that the law will teach you is that God actually likes people, Okay? Because most of us, when we think about what, uh, uh, maybe you grew up in a tradition in church where it seems like God's really trying to, to skim away a lot of people. God's really trying to remove us, okay? One of the things, in fact, there are so many laws where you're like, you know what, I'm disqualified here, here, and here. And maybe you thought, I shouldn't even be in church because God doesn't want me there because I, I can't follow any of his laws. But what I want us to see is when we understand God's law, when we understand the Torah, what we're really finding is that God likes people and every rule is about how we can be near him. Every single law. And we're going to discover that. And the other thing we're going to discover is that God wants you to be different than those who are not seeking him. God wants you to be different than those who are not seeking him. Almost every single law that we will come across has a similar law in one of the ancient cultures that is surrounding Israel, either the Canaanites, the uh, Egyptians. We have, these, we have examples of these law codes, and it's, it's interesting that almost every single time there will be a law for a Canaanite law that says, worship God this way, and then God, uh, Yahweh, will come and tell the Israelites, don't worship me like that, worship me like this. God wanted them distinct, and this is important for us because there's a word we kind of shy away from, and that word is holy. But God wants you to be holy. Now that word kind of has a mystery. And in fact, we, we say holier than now as if that's a bad thing. But what holy means is separate. In fact, it's one of the best, uh, the, the easiest Hebrew words to remember. It's kadush. Y'all say that with me. Kadush. That's what, I, anytime you hit a jump shot as a guy, you should say kadush, okay? It means separate. Holy means separate. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be separate. He wants us to be distinct from people that are not seeking him. And so when we read the law and we understand, there's a lot of things where I kind of get this mindset sometimes, or I hear people have a mindset of, you know what, that doesn't really apply, that our culture has changed. Therefore, maybe we should read the Bible differently, or we should, should kind of get rid of these laws because it doesn't fit our culture anymore. But we need to be careful because the entire purpose that God is giving us is you're supposed to be different than your culture. And just because the culture is changing does not mean that it's okay to change the, the, the commands of God. And so we're going to learn that holiness or being distinct from our culture is one of the purposes that God gave the law. Another thing the law will teach you is that if I see the heart of the law, I see Jesus. If I see the heart of the law, I see Jesus, which means when I look at the Old Testament, I should look at it understanding this is going to teach me something about God. It's going to teach me something about the heart of God. And in that, I'm going to see more clearly who Jesus is and how I should live my life. In fact, I would say it this way is that the entire Old Testament is foreshadowing the work of Jesus. And therefore, if you want to understand Jesus more, if you want to understand the heart of God more, you have to look at his law. Now, we're going to look at, we're going to bust some myths in this as well, some myths 
That's a hard word to say in front of people. Myths. We're going to bust some myths as well. Okay, there are three things specifically I want us to address because these are things that I think uh, many of us have, have, have fallen into before. One of the myths is that the law saves people or that the, the, the way the Old Testament people, the Israelites, some of us think, you know, the way in the Old Testament that they got close to God or that they went to heaven is they had to obey the law. But now that we've got Jesus, we don't, you know, we have faith. But if you read the New Testament, you understand that it's always been about faith in God, that, that following God has never been about following the law. It's always been about faith. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews is written to, it, it, the Hebrews is a letter in the New Testament, which was written to Jewish people. And there's an entire chapter that talks about the fact that it was by faith that Abraham got up and left. And it goes through the entire Old Testament saying it was by faith, it was by faith, by faith. One of the things you need to understand when you read the Old Testament is that there's never the idea that if you follow the law, you'll go to heaven. If you obey all these rules, you'll go to heaven. And here's why, yeah, why I can say that clearly, is that when the law is given to the people, when the law is given to the nation of Israel, they've already been saved. In fact, the first thing God does is he pulls them out of slavery. He takes them out of Egypt and then he brings them together and he says, hey, I am your God. I'm already here. We're in this covenant. Now, because I am your God, here are the rules. Here are the laws. And so you understand that from their mindset, it was never a question of I, I can have a relationship with God if I follow these laws. Now I could break the relationship, but understand that the law was given after they had already been saved. And even in the New Testament, when Paul, if you read the book of Romans, understand that Paul is arguing from this idea that, you know what, we, when we look at the law, the law is good because the law doesn't save us. The law reveals our sin. Paul says, how would I even know what sin was unless I had the law? Another thing that I want to um, avoid us, and if you're new, maybe you've never thought about the Old Testament law, this might not make a lot of sense to you, but I hear this a lot. And for uh, years and years, I even kind of thought this way. And theologians better than I, John Calvin and a lot of theologians have broken the law into different categories. Sometimes they'll say, you know, when you read the Old Testament law as a Christian, you should understand there are civil laws, there are ceremonial laws, there are moral laws, and you'll kind of break it down. And I want to avoid this for us. I don't want us to, to break the law into different categories because the danger in doing this, uh, there are at least two dangers. The danger in breaking this down is usually our intent in breaking it into different categories is to figure out which ones we have to obey. Okay, it's kind of like with my kids. I don't want my kids trying to find the loopholes in my rules, right? I want them to be saying, hey, I just want to do everything my father wants. And so I don't want us to have a mentality of, hey, let's figure out the categories that we have to obey and that we don't have to obey. Another reason that we shouldn't do this is that the Bible doesn't do this. It never says here are laws that only apply to these people, okay? Now, we do need to understand them, but the Bible doesn't bring it. In fact, the only time that it's really categorized was by a man named Jesus. And he categorized it like this. He said, when you think about the law, you should think about it like this. You, all the laws are you love God and you love people. 
You love God and you love people. So when Jesus categorized it, it wasn't breaking it down to where, hey, here are the ones that you can kind of avoid now that I'm here. Here are the ones that as, Christ, as Christians or Christ followers, we don't have to avoid. Instead, Jesus simplified it and said, hey, here's an easy way that we can fulfill the whole law, that we can live out the whole law. Love God, love people. But never did we have this idea that there are only certain laws that still apply to us. Okay? Now, the last one, the myth I want to bust is this, that God didn't expect people to follow the entire law. And I've heard this before, and people that even kind of misread the New Testament sometimes have this idea that the only reason God gave the law is to show that we couldn't fulfill the law, that, uh, that there's no way, and he never intended for anyone to actually obey the law. And this is clearly not true. If you read the Old Testament over and over again, it's, God says, obey my law. Over and over again, he says, obey my law. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, this is a weird sermon. Does this mean I've got to, to start eating kosher? Does this mean I've got to start, uh, you know, I've got to get rid of my polyester cotton blend? Does this mean that I've got to, to really go back and, and change everything? And, and I want us to get our language right in this church, okay? Because what I don't want is us to, to, to be accused or even to think in our minds that we pick and choose what we believe. And so instead, I want us to understand that the entire law still applies, but we as Christ followers think of the law, uh, or we understand it a little different than most people. Okay, We think about the law, as the Old Testament law, as a foreshadowing. We think about it as Christ followers now, as fulfilled. In the Old Testament, it was a foreshadowing in those times. But now that we're Christ's followers, we follow the law as if it is a law that is fulfilled. And there's a big difference, okay? Now, I want you to think about, maybe you, uh, if I were to say, um, you know what, I'm not going to have sexual relations until I get married, okay? Now, that's a rule. But it's a rule that once I get married, hey, it's fulfilled, and all of a sudden, I'm still living at that law, but I, I can then, I can consummate my marriage and not break the law. It's just that that law was fulfilled. And so when we think about the law, we have to understand there's a foreshadowing, but now that we have Christ, now that we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we have him on the cross dying for our sins, we have him rising from the dead, we understand the law as fulfilled, and this makes all the difference in the world. But this is not a new idea. Understand when Moses gave the law, the end of, uh, of Deuteronomy, which Deuteronomy is a long, uh, long speech that Moses gave. That's, how, that's all it is. It's Moses giving a speech. And Moses, who at the time was the number one prophet, he gives this entire law. He gives this entire speech. He, he even restates some of the law. And then he says to the people, hey, right now we've got all these laws. And they're kind of hard to follow. In fact, they're so hard to follow, you guys are not going to follow them. I can already see where this is going. Moses says, you guys are going to screw this up. And then he says, but don't worry, because there's coming a day when God will circumcise your heart. Now, that's a pretty graphic uh, picture. But what he's saying is there's a, a, a time coming when we're not going to follow God by straining to do the outward things. But there's a time that God is going to do something in our hearts. And it's going to change us from the inside. It's going to empower us to live out the heart of God. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah comes along a couple of thousand years later. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah says. This is Jeremiah chapter th um, 31, starting at verse 31. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. 
when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive them their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So in the Old Testament, even as the law is given, even as they are striving, they understand that there's some, it's foreshadowing something that is even greater than just obeying a bunch of rules. In fact, Jesus, when he talks about the law, he clarifies it even more. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets, for I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, unless heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not one dot, in Hebrew not one yud, which is the smallest of the letters, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So let me ask you, has heaven and earth passed away? One person is pretty kind of confident that we're still here. The rest of you are unsure. Now, <laughs> heaven and earth have not passed away. Therefore, the law of the prophets have not been abolished. Jesus has fulfilled them. And the whole point, in fact, he, he even goes on to, to say and to drive this home. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting. He didn't say, if you don't follow the law, you're not going to heaven. He said, you'll be least in the, in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does, does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, when he's talking about the law, he tells us it's not that they have been abolished, it's that they have been fulfilled. And so when we look and we live them out, we live them out as if they have already been fulfilled. Now, what does this look like? Now, there's an entire book, I said, again, um, called Hebrews. It's a very difficult book because it's written to Jewish people who have a Jewish context. People who have been sacrificing uh, animals in order to uh, cleanse uh, the presence of God and to, to enter into the presence of God. People who have been eating kosher. By eating kosher, what that means is there was a law and it said, do not eat, uh, um, do not cook uh, an animal in its mother's milk. And that's one of the laws that God gave. And in the background of that law, by the way, is that there's a Canaanite law that says, hey, when you worship God, cook the animal in the mother's milk. And so God says, when you worship me, do not cook in the mother's milk, okay? And so the Jewish law has taken this and has said, don't have cheeseburgers, don't have dairy and meat ever, ever. And so if you go into a kosher restaurant, you'll be given two plates. On one side, you'll have the dairy, and on one side, you'll have the meat, and they'll have different plates. They'll even sometimes be washed in different, uh, in different uh, bins, and so they keep them totally separate. And so the, new, the, the Christians, even the disciples of Jesus, were following these kosher laws. They were living out these laws. And then after Jesus dies on the cross and he, and, and, and he resurrects and then he meets the disciples. He says, be my witnesses to the whole world, not just the Jewish people, to the whole world. The disciples are trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? And they're still eating kosher. They're still following this law. And then Peter, who's one of the main disciples, one of the best friends of Jesus, 
Peter says this, and he's talking to God that he just had a dream about. So he's probably thinking this, not talking it. He says, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. In other words, I have been kosher. I've followed the clean laws my entire life. And the voice of God came to him again a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. What is God saying? God is saying what has been fulfilled. Now, the reason that you had clean laws is that when you approached God, you approached him as clean. It does not mean you were sinful. If you are unclean in the Old Testament, that's not sinful. It just means you're not ready to approach the throne of God or the presence of God. And so when Jesus comes and fulfills this law, he becomes the sacrificial lamb. He becomes uh, the high priest. When Jesus fulfills that, God says, Peter, have a cheeseburger. You can, you, can, you can eat, you don't have to fulfill. It's been fulfilled. And so, when we think about these laws, we have to live them out as if they are fulfilled laws and understand what it means to live out a fulfilled law. This is what uh, Pastor Tim Keller in New York, uh, he, he said something I think was great. If you ever have somebody say, well, you know what? As a Christ follower, you're just picking and choosing what you believe. You just pick and choose. Why don't you eat, you know, why are you eating, uh, why don't you eat kosher? You know, who, who gave you that? Well, this is what he said. He said, if somebody says that to me, this is what I would say. If I believe that Jesus is the resurrected son of God, I can't follow the clean laws of diet and practice. And I can't offer an animal as sacrifice. All that would be to deny the power of Christ's death on the cross. In fact, what he says is, if we're living out the law, we're living as if we're obeying this law by not doing those things because we understand they have been done for us. That's what it means to live out the law, the Old Testament law. And what do we mean by this word law? When I say the word law, there's a Hebrew word Torah. And the word Torah uh, has a couple of different meanings. Now, one of the, the words for, for Torah is the instructions, or it refers to the first five books of the Old Testament. Like, let me give you an, uh, an example. This is Proverbs chapter 1. Now, this word right here, instruction, is the word Torah. Hear, my son, your father's Torah, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And so when we talk about the law of God, a better way to translate that would just be the instructions of God. When we think about all of the things God has given us, because this is what's interesting about if you, as you read the, the, um, the first five books of the Bible, is that you'll have a command mixed in with a narrative, a story kind of about that law. And, and you see, understand what, it's just instructions. When we think about what the law is, it's God's instructions for us. Specifically, it's God's instructions for us being in his presence. The entire Bible is simply how a holy God can dwell in the midst of an unholy people. That's the point. And so we read these laws. It's God's instruction, okay? And so this word Torah, it means simply direction, instruction, law. And then, and then as uh, the way I'll be using it in our context, usually I'll be using it as the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. The Torah, the first five books. So do you follow, do you follow the Torah? Do you follow the Old Testament? I'm, I could mean the narratives in Genesis. I could mean talking about Adam and Eve. We could be talking about the Exodus. Or we could be talking about the commands, thou shalt not. Now, when we think about the Old Testament, most of us don't have a problem with, you know, hey, uh, Cain and Abel, I shouldn't kill my brother, okay? Most of us understand the narratives. It makes sense to us. 
But we hear these commands and understand there's a different word for commands. It's the word mitzvah. It means command. And that's do not murder. Like that's a command. Like that's God saying, do not do this. Okay. That's a command. And these are usually the ones that you and I have problems with, right? When God actually says, do not do this. You know what? Whenever my dad used to tell me, he would tell me this long story and he'd try to prove some point to me and I would hear it and I'd be like, okay. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, old man, that's great. But I wouldn't get mad. But I wouldn't call my dad an old man, just kidding. I wouldn't get mad when he told me a story, but when he told me a command, you will be home, you will do this, that's when I would kind of be like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't like that. So we need to understand when we talk about the commands of God, the ones that most of us say, I am not going to obey a whole list of commands, okay? Or think, I couldn't even do this. We need to understand that there's a difference between the way we think about commands and the way ancient people thought about the commands of God. There is a big difference, and I want to give you some examples to show you this. But this, The overall idea is this. In ancient in an ancient context, in ancient, um, uh, not just ancient Israel, but in ancient uh, Canaan or Egypt, all these ancient places, they thought about the laws as principles of the law, not the letter of the law. Okay? They thought about the spirit or the heart of the law, not the letter of the law. And this is entirely different than the way we think about it. You and I think about a law, we think loopholes. Ah, he didn't say this, didn't say that. In fact, one of the, the, the points of having such a thorough law book for us is that there can be no loopholes. And in fact, you know that, that, that there are entire lawyers that all they do is examine the laws to find loopholes. Okay, that is a, a, you could say a Western or a modern way of thinking about laws. But an ancient way of thinking about laws is simply to find the heart of the law. I know what he meant here. And so what they would do is they would give you an example of how this law applies, but that law is not what the, the law is about. The law is about the principle. Let me give you some examples to make this clear to you. How many of you at your house right now have a cookie jar? Anyone have a cookie jar? How many of y'all had a cookie jar growing up? Okay, how many of y'all are familiar with a cookie jar? You know what it's talking about. Okay, good. Make sure we're on the same page. Now, if you're like me, my mom, uh, we did have a cookie jar. In fact, I still have a cookie jar. Um, if my mother, when I was, let's say, eight, and I've got a twin brother, and if I was eight years old and my mom said, don't touch the cookie jar, then our modern way of thinking is, huh, what do we do about this? I go get my brother. I prop him up. He opens the cookie jar. He takes out two cookies. He gives me one cookie, right? And my mom comes back to me and says, I told you not to touch the cookie jar. And what do I say? I didn't touch a cookie jar. In fact, I specifically avoided the cookie jar. He touched the cookie jar. I am clean. And we walk away thinking, I did not break the law and I got a cookie. Which, is that the way your mom ever saw it? Did she ever say, oh, you got me on this? Or no, she always understood. You knew what I meant. Now, the way an ancient Hebrew, hypothetically, would have, I guess it's not hypothetically, they might have had cookie jars, I don't know. Hypothetically, the way an ancient Hebrew would have looked at this is when mom says, don't touch the cookie jar, not only would they not touch the cookie jar, they would not have taken a cookie, and they would not have touched the candy jar either because they would have understood that this law is about, I'm not supposed to be having sweets before dinner, I'm not supposed, and they would have extrapolated back to what is the point, why did, what was the heart of her saying this? 
And so when we look at the Old Testament laws, we need to understand the way they think about laws is the exact opposite of the way you and I think about laws. We think of the letter of the law, how can we get around this? Instead, they would pull out the heart of the law. Another example, if I tell my kids, do not play in the street, do not play in the street. And then one day I'm driving home and I notice that a policeman has blocked off both sides of the street. In fact, this happens sometimes in our neighborhood. Blocked out, and there's a block party in the middle of it, and there are barricades, and no cars are going. And I walk, and I see my kids are playing in the middle of the street. Do I run up to my kids and smack them on the bottom and say, what are you doing? I would never do that anyway, right? No, no, no. no. I, would say, I would understand that even though I have a rule, do not play in the street, they didn't break the rule. Because they understand the heart of the rule was that I love my kids, I want them to be safe, and cars are usually on streets, so don't play in the streets. But whenever cars can't be on the street, whenever it's a safe and different context, I, I can look at that and say, you know what, they, even though they broke the letter of the law, they did not break the spirit of the law. And so when we read the Bible, we need to understand there's some work to be done. I need to understand the context, what it meant there, and I need to understand the heart of the law because it's in the heart of the law that you will find the heart of God, even if sometimes it's not in the letter of the law. Now, this may or may not make sense, but I just want to emphasize we have thousands of ancient law codes, not just from Israel, but from all the Near East, okay, from Egypt, thousands of them. And not one time do they make a judgment, not one time, not a zero, not one time do they make a judgment and then point to the exact law that you broke. Instead, they always pull out the principle of the law. Law codes were much different in, in, in ancient Israel. So let me give you a biblical example um, and so that you can see, because I wanted to pick uh, an example of something that probably most of y'all have never said, you know what, this is, this is so pertinent to my life, okay? This is a law, Deuteronomy 25.4. Now, if you get a law like do not murder, right? We're all like, hey, I'm going to follow that one today, right? Unless you're a murderer, then you're like, hey, I'm going to follow that one, right? But then there are some that are like, you should not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. And we see that and none of us get up and say, you know what? That's the heart of God. That's what I'm going to do today. How many of y'all have muzzled your ox in the last week? Okay. Shame on you. Now, what is this law saying? Okay. Now, literally what this law says is in ancient times, whenever they wanted to make anything with grain, they had to get a millstone and they had to press out and they had to separate the chaff from the wheat and all this stuff. And then they would throw it in the air. It was a process to make bread. They didn't just go buy it at the store. And so one of the easy ways is just get your ox to just walk over all your grain and it would just separate it right there. It would, it would do the work for you. And so what this law says is when your ox is doing this, don't cover his mouth. Let him eat some of the grain that he's working on. Let him, while he's working, let him nibble a little bit, okay? Now, why would God, in the limited space we have in the scriptures, does God love oxen that much that he just wanted to give us a law to make sure that we have well-fed oxen? Now, the interesting thing is that this, this law is actually quoted twice in the New Testament. And it's going to shock you, but not once does it quoted in the context of oxen. In fact, uh, let me show you the first time that it's quoted. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to his friend Timothy, and he's writing about a church. And he says, let the elders who will um, rule be considered worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 
And then his, rational, his, his rationale for treating your preachers, and I'm not doing, there's no double context, it's just an example, okay? Uh, his rationale for treating them with a double honor is this, for the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And then he gives another one, the laborer deserves his wages. Do not, here's, here's the application. The application of do not let your, um, your, your ox, uh, tread, um, do not muzzle your ox is this. Do not allow a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's how he applies this do not muzzle an ox. Isn't that weird? So you have to look at the, the principle. The principle is if you have somebody working for you, you have somebody that is laboring on your behalf, don't make it harder. Let them share in the work. Let them, in fact, re receive some of the benefits. Treat them well. Treat them as if they are working with you. Not as if they're your slave or your animal. And in fact, he even clarifies this again. He uses it again in 1 Corinthians. He says this, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And then he asks a good question. Is it for oxen that God is so concerned? In other words, did God put this in there for oxen? And understand, he's not giving you a new way that Christians can interpret the law. He's interpreting the law as every Jewish person understood the law, is the way it's supposed to be interpreted. It's not about an ox. It's about how you treat people. He says, does he not certainly speak for our sake? For it was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope. And the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. In other words, the, this is a law about the hope of God. Isn't that weird? He says, listen, whenever we look at these Old Testament laws, we've got to understand it's not about an ox. It's about the heart of God. Let me show you how you could apply this. There are a lot of ways you could apply this. If you've got people that work for you and you're not paying them well, you're breaking the ox law. If you're not treating them well, if every morning you go in and, and, and you are treating them in a, in a way that doesn't honor God, as Jesus would say, if you're not loving people, if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, you are breaking an ox law. And so the heart of this law is you need to love everyone who is serving with you or is serving on your behalf, whether it's your pastor or whether it's just any person that you come across. That's the heart of this law. And so, when we look at this law, what we have to understand is that the heart of the law reveals the heart of God. And so when we look and read these in the context of the next few weeks as we go through these, this is going to be a big idea that we see the heart of God and we obey it all, but some of it's been Fulfilled, most of, or it's all been fulfilled. We obey it as if it's been fulfilled. And so in 2019, do you have to unmuzzle your ox? Yes, you have to live a life obeying these laws. But understand, we obey these laws fulfilled, and Jesus points this out over and over again. There's a time in Jesus' life where he sees a woman who has broken the Mosaic law. He's, she's broken this Old Testament law. She's broken the letter of the law. And what she has done, that's not good. Now, she's broken the letter of the law. And when she breaks this law, she's about to be stoned. And what does Jesus say? He goes up to her as someone who has fulfilled the law. And he says, who condemns you? She says, no one. And he doesn't say, well, that's a good thing because we got no law anymore. 
what he says is go and sin no more. In other words, this is what a fulfilled law looks like. It can reveal to us what our sin is. But we have a fulfilled law. We have a savior who says it's no longer condemning us. Now it's pointing out our sin, but it's not condemning us. In fact, Jesus, another time he's talking with people. And he, said, and he sees that these people have grown up, maybe like you, in a church that has put a lot of expectations on them. Some people grew up in a context. You know what? I, I've, I stubbed my toe the other day and I said the name of Jesus real quickly and not really in the context I wanted to. And so I had to say a prayer real quick to undo that because if I would have died right then, they had this mentality of, you know what? God would have separated me. Some of you... I'm just going to go out on, on a limb here. Some of you have been driving someday, got caught, cut off, and you've said a word, and you've said, i gotta, I got to undo that real quick because God's mad at me. You see, what I want you to see about the law is this. The Torah reveals my sin, but Jesus removes my sin. The Torah reveals my sin, but Jesus removes my sin. So this is what Jesus said to these people who had grown up and some of them have already begun to lose the meaning of the law, and they're not looking at the, the spirit of the law. They're looking at the letter of the law, and they realize, I, I'm guilty before God. I'm not ever going to be able to live this out. If, if getting uh, to know God and getting close to God is about me being good enough, I'm not going to be there. And Jesus, he doesn't deny this, but instead, here's what he says. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <laughs> He doesn't abolish the law, but he says, I've fulfilled the law. Therefore, you are no longer condemned by the law, but you are free to follow the heart of God. Let's pray. Lord, my hope in this series is that every single person, whether they're in this room or maybe there's someone we're going to interact with this week, who has ever dismissed a part of your Bible, a part of your word, because it just seemed too difficult to understand, or maybe it seemed too unreasonable. Lord, I pray in this series you'll begin to unlock your laws for us. And I pray that you'll free us from the mindset that you simply want good people. Instead, you're making new people. Instead of wanting a whole bunch of people who simply obey, you want sons and daughters that you can live in the midst of. Lord, I pray you'll open our heart not to fear the law, but to love your laws. Not because by obeying them, you'll love us more, but because by obeying them, our heart can become like your heart. We will love others better. We will treat other better. Our lives will be better. Simply because we have decided to mold our hearts to be like yours. Lord, I pray over the next few weeks as we dig into some of your laws, that you will give us open hearts, that you'll give us a mentality of, Lord, I want to be changed. And Lord, if there's any of us in here that still feel burdened, that still feel as if we're not good enough, Lord, we pray that they will turn their hearts to Jesus in this moment and they will realize that he didn't abolish it, he fulfilled it. Lord, I pray that they will walk out of here with a freedom of knowing you are a savior, and there's not one of us who is not good enough anymore. You have made us whole. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.